This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. This BFM budget 2024 special is brought to you by Marsing. Inside Story on BFM 89.9. Good evening. You're with Lee Chui Lin and Shamila Ganesan. Tonight, some good old-fashioned post-budget analysis. So first, we'll be looking at some of the key takeaways and measures from Budget 2024. And then later on, was it a politically safe budget? As always, we want to know, and it's a simple question tonight, were you satisfied with Budget 2024? You can call 7733-2900, tweet us at BFM Radio, and send us a voice note or WhatsApp at our U-Mobile number 018-789-8899. This is Inside Story. It is 6.09. So, um, of course, we know this. Budget was tabled on Friday. Uh, the Prime and Finance Minister, Datuk Sri Anwar Ibrahim, uh, tabled the 2024 budget with a total allocation of 393.8 billion ringgit, um, which was an increase of 5.8 billion compared to um, 2023. As we know, budgets grow. This happens every year. Um, but there were, I think, some key takeaways or some of the things that stood out that garnered some discussion even after the fact. Yeah, so the increase of the sales and services tax uh, from 6% to 8% is getting a fair amount of attention, even though it will not include FNB or telcos. Uh, there's also the introduction of the capital gains tax at a rate of 10% that will start uh, on the 1st of March next year, um, as well as the introduction of the high value goods tax um, of 5 to 10% on items like jewelry or watches. So that's in the sort of tax side of things. Um, the thing that people were looking sort of most uh, keenly watching was, of course, whether we would be moving away from the subsidies towards something more targeted. So far, the only thing that has been revealed in that section is for diesel. Um, but many are saying that that might be perhaps a way to test the waters as we move towards uh, completely looking at targeted subsidies. Yes, uh, electricity is continuing. So, yes. so that was one thing. Uh, but I think the introduction also of a flexible EPF account, which would allow people to access it at, at any point is a concession in many ways to the the EPF withdrawals that we have seen mm. over the last few years and a way to kind of accommodate that. Uh, there's also been efforts uh, in big ways to eradicate poverty as well as to look at infrastructure, particularly in relation to schools and public amenities. So we are going to be tackling all of that and more uh, very shortly. We're going to start off with perhaps more of a number-crunching economic perspective on it. And joining us for that will be Farah Rosli, Malaysia tax leader from Ernst & Young. But keep those thoughts coming. It's a simple question. Um, we've had the weekend now to, to process it, to look at the headlines that have come out from it, even if you missed the two-and-a-half-hour speech. Um, but... Basically, are you satisfied with Budget 2024? Are you happy with it? Call 7733-2900, send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Stay tuned to BFM's Budget 2024 special, brought to you by Marsing. Bole for Malaysia. Ha. BFM 89.9. The Business Station. This BFM Budget 2024 special is brought to you by Marsing. 
It is 6.13 and you're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sharmila and we are doing a post-budget day, budget 2024 look uh, at, well, the budget and asking you, were you satisfied with it? Were you happy with it? What do you think? Uh, you can call 7733-2900, send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. So we're going to be doing this in a couple of ways today. We're going to be starting off with a look at some of the number-based issues um, and later on looking at the politics and policy matters uh, in relation to the budget. But joining us now um, to take a look at some of the more specific measures, we have Farah Rosli, who is Malaysia tax leader from Ernst & Young. Farah, thanks for taking the time and speaking with us today. Hi, Lynn. Thank you. So what were some of the key takeaways from uh, last Friday's tabling for you? Yeah, th- there was this uh, commitment to economic growth, increasing foreign and do- uh, domestic direct investment, as well as improving the welfare of the riot. That has been so spoken. I look at it as these three prongs that has been focused uh, and has been mentioned during Budget 2024 announcement last Friday. Yes, it is again, yet again, the largest budget allocation of $293.8 billion. And uh, also, the notwithstanding the significant allocation, uh, the nation remains resolute in forging its past path towards fiscal consolidation. That was also the big mention uh, on fiscal consolidation uh, as well as prudent financial management and structural reforms. That was um, uh, mentioned in in, in terms of striking a delicate balance between stimulating growth and also having an inclusive and equitable society. Um, No one has been left out. Um, Women, uh, business, SMEs, uh, FEIs as well as DDIs and also the much talk about the plan for subsidy rationalization, replacing the blanket subsidies with targeted cash aids uh, to ensure such a system goes to the lower income group. Of course, um, being a tax person, I can't run away from talking about some new tax measures that's been introduced. Uh, as expected, GST or goods and services tax was not reintroduced in the budget 2024. Instead, various measures will be introduced to expand the nation's tax revenue base, such as service tax, um, capital gains tax that was mentioned in the February uh, budget 2023 that was retabled, um, as well as more details on the uh, uh, spoken about luxury goods tax uh, as well. So despite the government's commitment to a targeted approach on subsidies, uh, the budget didn't actually include anything on RON 97 uh, and on the reduction of um, subsidies for diesel. There was a substantial carve out for the transport sector. Do you think the government is being cautious? What kind of savings has the government foregone by not pushing through with its targeted subsidy plans more thoroughly? Thanks for that question, Shamila. Um, there is the additional revenue from the increase in the service tax of 6% to 8%, uh, except for uh, the FNB uh, industry. Uh, there is also the additional service tax that's, inclu- that's been uh, included for the logistics, uh, the brokerage, uh, as well as the karaoke. So although um, nothing was um, mentioned in terms of the, as what you've said, Shamilan, there's a commitment to targeted approach on uh, subsidies, but they were also uh, mentioned that there were plans to redistribute uh, the blanket subsidies that benefits a high income society. Uh, The government did announce targeted subsidy approach for electricity and diesel subsidies. 
and also there is an increase for the Rahmah Cash Contribution Program for the B40, uh, and it's a two billion increase from eight billion ringgit to ten billion ringgit. So the move from I would I would think the move, move from the blanket subsidies to provide targeted cash aid. Um, it, it is meant to uh, move towards providing targeted cash aid for the middle and lower income groups, uh, Shamila. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up, Farah, because you uh, you mentioned Rahma, the Rahma initiative specifically. But considering the cost of living crisis being one of the, the main, main talking points heading into the tabling of the budget, what did you see here that substantially impacts uh, the poorer sections of our community? Indeed, indeed, Lynn, the in the cost of living, the increase of prices of goods and necessities is not just an issue in Malaysia. In fact, it is a global issue. Uh, and with the current geopolitical tension and the uh, pressure on supply chain, I would think the cost of living and the price of goods will continue to go up. Uh, and that's quite concerning. Um, in the budget 2024, the uh, poorest sections of the community that was also being uh, mentioned, there is the increase in the sumbangan tunai rakyat. If you remember on Friday, there, uh, there was an allocation uh, increase uh, and uh, you know there was a maximum amount increase from 3,100 ringgit to 3,700 ringgit, I remember. And for the youth, uh, increase from 250 ringgit to 500 ringgit. Um, and the sumbangan tunai rakyat for household um, has been increased from 300 ringgit to 500 ringgit. And the first payment uh, was expected to be as early as February 2024. So I would think that this would allow for higher, more disposable income to, to go around in the economy. And that would then contribute to higher spending in the economy that would then benefit the businesses, the SMEs uh, and the industry at large because there will be all this uh, money circulating in the economy where people will continue to buy, purchase goods, um, and there is also uh, when you 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 spoke about the lower income and poor sections of the community, there was also the allocation, if I'm not mistaken, 35 million ringgit for those in the gig economy. That includes training fees and income replacement incentive for uh, many thousands, nine thousands or ten thousands gig workers uh, that attends training program. So there was also um, all this initiative to encourage training, upskilling. And I think that's very important because you can give a cash, I mean, cash to people, but at the end of the day, uh, upskilling and reskilling and making sure people are equipped uh, to work in the industry for the longer term is, is equally important. So there are a number of related things, right, that uh, seem to play a similar role. So there's the flexible EPF account, then there are schemes like the self-employment, social security scheme, ISURI, all these were announced as well. How do you see these initiatives impacting the B40? Yeah, the um, Shamila, on, on the EPF, uh, there was talk about restructuring members' account uh, to better empower them when saving for retirement and and, uh, and that was during mentioned during the tabling of budget 2024 uh, and that was it was mentioned as the EPF flexible account um, and uh, it will be introduced as a new account that members can access at any time I think this is most welcome however there are very few details at the moment um, but it is I hope EPF will be sharing more information in the near future about this uh, the EPF also had already hinted a few days prior, of the possibility of restructuring members' accounts. 
uh, as uh, you know, there were talks about introducing a new saving and withdrawal mechanism. Um, but at that time, I think the EPF had said that it was considering the option of aligning the withdrawal age of its members uh, with the minimum retirement age. Um, there were also talks about uh, including schemes that are currently run by both EPF and the Social Security SOCSO, including ISRAN, uh, ISURI, and a few other ICE, yeah, and the, uh, and the uh, self-employment social security schemes. Uh, that includes the housewife's uh, social security scheme. It was mentioned in a few budgets ago, uh, but, uh, you know, it looks like that it's all-inclusive, including all these groups of people. Um, and, and I think this is, uh, this is most welcome. We have a message from KW who says, I didn't hear any goodies for M40 or am I missing anything? And I think um, this is actually a pretty com common complaint year on year, right? That the budget usually uh, feels like it does not address the needs of the M40. How would you say this budget fared in that area? Yeah, there was no specific mention of the M40, uh, Lynn. Um, you know, unlike the previous budget where it talks about the 2% tax reduction. Um, but uh, in this year's uh, budget, there was mention on the uh, personal tax deductions, which would benefit um, or reliefs that would benefit the M40. Uh, there was a tax deduction on uh, the sports equipment and activity up to 1,000 ringgit. Um, that that and that includes sports training. So you know it's also encouraging uh, people to be more healthy, having a healthy lifestyle. Uh, there's also the medical annual relief of ten thousand, which now includes dental. So dental healthcare, as we know, is very important. That would benefit the M forty uh, childcare allowance. Uh, I remember there was an increase of childcare allowance up to up to three thousand ringgit for year of for each year of assessment. Um, there was also the upskilling, uh, tax relief on upskilling uh, and self-enhancement on any fields. So not just those professional uh, programs, but any field recognized uh, under the National Skills um, Development Act. Uh, and for the women, uh, for those who comes back after a career break, uh, they will be uh, given uh, an income tax exemption. And that is extended to uh, 2028. I think this is most welcome as we want to encourage more women to come back. Because sometimes the dilemma of women is then that, um, you know, what is the cost of sending my child to a childcare facility center uh, if I, I work and I end up having to send and spend? Uh, you know, you calculate the cost, there's much, not much left right after spending so much uh, on each child's uh, care. Uh, childcare sector, but now with this income tax exemption, women coming back to work uh, would be um, enjoying this income tax exemption. But I had questions where the men asked, what about men coming back to work? But sorry, guys, it's now at the moment, it's only for the women. Um, and there is also, I mean, I always talk about uh, talent because I think talent is very important and talent, Malaysian talent that's able to meet to the demands of the industry and being current uh, to the needs uh, of the industry that's very important. There is also measures aimed at upskilling and training, like, uh, for example, allocation uh, for uh, TVET, uh, for technical and vocational education and training. Uh, and that's an allocation of $6.8 billion. And there's also skill improvement, pro if improvement programs for uh, micro, uh, small and medium uh, entrepreneurs and the vulnerable, vulnerable groups. I think that, that that would be some of the 
areas that I would read as also addressing the needs of the M40. Um, yeah. Stephen is asking, are there any benefits for senior citizens to manage the cost of living in the budget? Hmm. Good question, Shamila. I've not seen anything specific on the senior citizens. Um, not specific. Um, yeah, other than those personal tax um, relief, uh, if they're still employed, uh, they will be that. Uh, not so much, not much, not much, nothing was mentioned on the senior citizens as far as I remember, but there was mention uh, on OKU. Uh, or the handicapped uh, people with um, special needs. Uh, that was mentioned in Budget 2024 announcement. So if we take a more industrial look, um, Anwar did talk about a new high-tech industrial hub being established in North Perak to enlarge the nation's electrical and electronics ecosystem, which is already well established across the border in Penang. Uh, do you think there are sufficient incentives to make this happen? Um, currently, there are already industrial areas in Penang, Bayan Lepas, uh, Penang, Kulim High Tech in, in Kedah, and uh, many leading companies in the E&E sector have established themselves in the northern region. Um, I would I would look at the uh, North Perak uh, announcement. I think this would create a wider ecosystem uh, for the E&E cluster up north. Um, the high tech area, in, uh, of course, in uh, Korea North, Perak will uh, further complement, I think it's the ecosystem, complement the current existing um, ecosystem that we have. There are already incentives, current incentives in the E&E sector, Lin, uh, where there is the investment tax allowance uh, and also there is already the income tax exemption available for qualifying services or uh, promoted products or promoted activities is already there. This, I think, would enable Malaysia uh, to attract more investments in and making Malaysia, as mentioned in Budget 2024, a destination for FDIs, foreign direct investments. But not to forget, if we have FDIs coming in, this will also spur the domestic market, the domestic economy, right? Because it is an ecosystem. The FDIs will uh, employ Malaysian and they will also purchase services or use the, um, the whole ecosystem, the suppliers, the, vendor, the vendors, maybe Malaysian companies who will also enjoy and benefit from these FDIs coming in. Uh, and it was mentioned in the um, National Industrial Master Plan 2030 that was just announced a few weeks ago that in the 21 sectors identified, electric, electrical and electronics in e has been identified as one of the targeted um, sector. Uh, of focus, yeah, and I would look at the integration of E&E with the other value chains. For example, the other than one sectors that was mentioned, medical, device, automotive, chemical, and all that would be part and parcel of the entire ecosystem, and and this is most welcome. Uh, Farah, unfortunately, I do think we are running out of time with you, but thank you so much for speaking with us today. Thank you, Lin, and thank you, Shamila. That was Farah Rosli, Malaysia tax leader from Ernst & Young, uh, weighing in on some of the major initiatives within Budget 2024. Keep those thoughts coming and let us know. Uh, were you satisfied with Budget 2024? That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. We'll be back for your thoughts. Uh, keep it here on Inside Story, BFM 89.9. Stay tuned to BFM's Budget 2024 special, brought to you by Marsing. 
Best Flipping Moments. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. This BFM Budget 2024 special is brought to you by Marsing. It is 6.38 and you're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sharmila. And today we are, as you would expect, the Monday after Budget 2024 was tabled, talking about the budget. And uh, now that we've all had collectively a couple of days to sit with it, I'm sure everyone was thinking about it over the weekend, right? Everyone read up on it, right? Everyone read the whole speech. I'm expecting everyone to be caught up. Everyone tuned in live and, and you know, were on tenterhooks and then read the speech. You know, you mock and yet this, this is the case, right? This is what we did. So, you know, I'd like to think everyone was along on the ride for us. So... It's a big deal, the budget, obviously. In many ways, it indicates um, government direction. It talks about priorities. Uh, there are also things to look at on a personal level about what it contains. And so we want to know, I mean, having had a little bit of time to sit with it, are you satisfied with Budget 2024? Are you happy with it? You can call 7733-2900, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. You can also tweet us at BFM Radio. Now to the messages where it's a very mixed bag. So actually, there are two messages that depict how mixed a bag it is because they're essentially saying the same thing but in very different ways. Firstly, Chonka says, I'm absolutely satisfied with Budget 2024. It's one of the more sensible budgets without being seen as throwing money around just to gain support. All the best to PMX and fingers crossed we'll have a surplus. It's tough, but fingers crossed. But Dennis says, it's basically a very dullish budget. Nothing exciting, nothing worth noting. Understandable as the previous budget was crafted to win the election. Let us all be wary of inflationary pressures and tendencies instead. So... Dennis, to your point, this is something that we're hoping to explore with our next guest who will be joining us after the 7 o'clock news because I do think um, as as a, I guess I would call myself a budget observer, as someone who has heard the budget table live over the last, I don't know, 10 years, um, you can always tell a difference between a... a budget that is close to elections or a budget that is responding to very specific crises versus one like this, where, of course, there are economic challenges. Um, I, I'm not ignoring that. Um, I can't deny it in any way or form. But it's not acute, right? Whereas I think the past three budgets we've had, uh, three maybe, yeah, um, have been responding to something other than just the state of the economy. It's been responding to the pandemic. It's been responding to um, political instability. It's been responding to, well, is election round the corner? Turns out it is. And so because of that, I think we've gotten used to ha seeing more bombastic budgets over the last few years. Bombastic being the key word. It's just been a lot of, and you get it's very, and you get a car, and you get mm -hmm. a car kind of energy. This is a very, um, it's a very sober budget, I think, is how it feels to me. Actually, the word workmanlike comes to mind for me. Um, it, it sort of takes into account the things that need to be done and puts in place measures that get us there. Some things are like the diesel subsidy, for instance, are sort of testing the waters. Other things are solving concerns, but nothing is super flashy, um, which I think is interesting. And, and, you know, depending on where you're coming from, it, like those two messages indicated, for some people, perhaps it doesn't go far enough. For other people, it's kind of nice to see something that isn't all bells and whistles. Tana, though, says $130 million 
billion allocation for Indians and 150 million for toilets. Shrug 2024 budget. Okay, well, firstly, I don't think that the allocation for the toilets was necessarily a bad thing. I do feel, though, that when we're talking about communities that have often felt not enough goes towards their betterment or empowerment, um, it is difficult to know what sort of initiatives are actually effective and actually reach the ground. So um, I, okay, I think that it's very telling that this is the comparison point. Um, I think this also says something about the... uh, like like you said, Sharmila, communities that have often felt underserved, um, that have often felt overlooked, uh, rightly so, actually, in many ways in previous budgets or in general in policy announcements. I understand the comparison. I do think, though, that it is an unfair comparison to make um, for both public amenities and for the Indian community in that I, I understand why it's there, Tana. It's a very snappy comparison, um, but... It's true that I don't know that anybody was necessarily bemoaning or begrudging the 150 million for for toilets, for instance. No, and I also think that while it is nice and important for allocations to be signaled as for particular communities, we shouldn't forget that actually the the allocations put towards, say, the B40 um, also benefit people from these communities. And and I don't know, I I do think that if we're saying we want to go towards a a more needs-based system, that perhaps it is worth looking at whether those needs are being met across the board. Uh, Just time, I think, for one more message. We have this from uh, Nick, who says, can't wait to see people realising that they are actually T20 once targeted subsidies are enrolled. Um, I, I assume that means rolled back. Yeah, I think this one is, well, again, that's why I think that the testing of the waters is is important, right? Um, to see how people respond, to see how um, even the, the mechanics of how they're going to roll back on the subsidies is going to be implemented. Yeah, and to be honest, Nick, I see where you're coming from. Uh, I, I understand the um, the very kind of sharply edged point that you're making, in, especially in terms of especially in terms of post-budget, where you have a lot of people saying, yes, but what about me? What, what is there for me? Um, but I think that I think that the thing about T20, uh, even the, the use of the term, I'm hopeful that in time we move away from it. Um, and and I, I'll explain why. I think it's because it's become such a loaded phrase. Um, nobody actually understands. This is something we've talked about a lot, right? Is a household T20 or is a person T20, um, you know, if a person is T20, does it take into account where they live and how many people are in their household who are dependent on them? There are all these different things. And so similarly, as we roll back that system and move towards looking at um, what the minister has said is going to be an income-based kind of approach, um, I'm curious to know how many of these old hang-ups we're going to carry along with us. Yeah, and... I mean, I don't think it's a coincidence also that um, people like Rafizi actually have talked about doing away with these categorizations altogether and that they're not necessarily as relevant or productive as they once were. And maybe that is the direction that we should be heading towards. Keep those thoughts coming. Are you satisfied with Budget 2024, which was tabled last Friday? Um, was there anything that stood out to you or not so much? You can call 7733-2900, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. Stay tuned to BFM's Budget 2024 special. 
Brought to you by Marsing. Bring forth Moolah. BFM 89.9. This BFM Budget 2024 special is brought to you by Marsing. It is 6.51 and you're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sharmila. And we are talking today about Budget 2024, starting off by looking at some of the key initiatives that were within it with our guest Farah Rosli. Later on, we are going to be taking a look at the political ramifications of it. But in the meantime, continuing also to ask you... Are you satisfied with Budget 2024? Are you happy with it? That number to call is 7733-2900. Send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. We still have more messages. Okay. Mm, Steve is saying, the budget is nothing to shout about. No. The budget is hidden in the clouds. There's a service tax increase of 6 to 8%. This means that even the cheapest entertainment, watching movies on a big screen for the common people will be affected, as well as maybe an increase um, in hotel rates or even for traveling. Well, yes, um, that's true. I mean, the the things that are exempted from the SST increase are food and beverages and telcos. So it's interesting, Steve. I, I think going from it's nothing to shout about to actually um, it's it's more problematic than that is, is an interesting one. I think that everyone always knew, I suspect, that the SST increase was going to be a, a pinch, was going to make um, what was going to affect the way people think about, well, the budget, but also expenditure. We do, however, have a perspective um, accompanying Steve's point from Stephen, who says, once again, if there are not enough taxpayers, then a higher SST seems like the logical go-to measure. Has the government done enough education to the masses to explain why a broad tax pay, why a broad tax base is essential for national development, if not the SST will only go higher? To which I think the answer, Stephen, might be a no. I don't think there has been enough education done. Um, and, and you raise a really important point. I think that while something like an SSD or, or you know, the, the largely reviled GST is actually a necessity in many ways for us to be able to meet our economic and developmental goals, I think it's actually very difficult for the average income earner to understand why they should be contributing to it and how... Because the daily pinch, as you said, Lynn, does add up to a fair amount. Our our guests on Friday, when we were doing the post-budget analysis, were talking about how with the SST, even if FNB isn't directly um, affected, that because there are likely to be increases along the supply chain, that we might still see a rise in the price of um, food. Um, and so those are things that will directly impact people. And there needs to be more education about, well, if you're going to face those sorts of pressures, what is the larger benefit? Yeah, because the thinking there, of course, is that we are going to increase the amount of tax, uh, but we are going to be providing X amount of services or this is going to go fund X amount of things. Um, but that kind of education is slow going and also requires a, a broad, less individualistic approach at the notion of taxation, which I think can mm. be very difficult because in the moment when you're paying more, it just feels like, why? <laughs> you know, um, I'm, I'm sure it's going to benefit, I don't know, schools. But uh, in in the moment, I think the inclination to think, yeah, but it's going to cost more for me is definitely, it's a real problem. Um, another Steve says, I think this budget is very sensible and refreshing. It may not be flashy and have direct handouts to everyone, but I think it's good for the country's future. 
Do you think, um, well, actually, uh, Steve, you, I, I was thinking exactly what you've alluded to, which is that, do you think that in general, it's because we've kind of gotten a little used to the flashy, goodie-based budget, the, the so-called election budget or the pandemic recovery budget, and that's where some of this is coming from? I think it's a little bit of that. It's been a while. Um, and mm. I think also expectations are high. I wanted, Sherrod and I uh, were discussing this off air, actually, whether we could call this Anwar's maiden budget. Because the truth is, in many ways, it's the first budget that he has been in charge of shaping. Um, yes. We know that the earlier budget was also labelled Madani and all that. But it was really just a sort of... Um, let's keep the engines running kind of budget tabling, right? Right after election. So it's a little different. Um, but I think that the expectations were there because of, um, th- because this was his first, in many ways, official kind of budget. Um, and that's a part of it. Anon says, as a layperson, I can't even, I can't begin to try to work out the micro macro implications of the budget. I will only know when things start to happen. So nothing to be satisfied or not. Sometimes we get more, sometimes we get less, maybe even none. What I lose sleep over is where are the resources coming from to get things moving? Actually, this gets to the heart of why something like budget is complicated, right? And why people sort of hook on to things like SST has gone up or, um, oh, uh, petrol prices might be more because those macro micro uh, implications that um, the anonymous listener is talking about goes over the average person's head. I mean, I'll confess that except for the fact that we do need to cover this for work. Otherwise, the ins and outs of what is being put in place is difficult even for me to wrap my head around. Yeah, I don't think it's meant for us as the layperson to necessarily understand everything. Um, mm. Like I said, I, I view it as if you're not working in if you're not working in the field of finance and economics, then in many ways the way to think of it is as a financial statement of intent. It's how I think of it that this is what the government is focusing on. Um, and on to your point, though, where are the resources? That's also within the budget. Because yes. that, that's you know that's where you talk about how it is that they plan to grow revenue, how it is that they plan to grow the tax base, which is some of what we're discussing today. Uh, still talking about the SST, Y says the increase should have been uh, by 1% and gradually again the following year. As people are still reeling from the high cost of living and the economy is still recovering, here comes another hit on prices. Why I see what you're saying, but actually realistically the increase is from 6 to 8%. So a 2% increase isn't crazy, I don't think. It. I also don't think so, but um, I see you on the hit on prices because this is actually mm. something that we spoke about in relation to GST. Um, that even though technically it should not have meant that much of an increase in how much you spend. Um, the truth was when GST was implemented, everybody's numbers went up by, whew, you know, it was it was fun times when <laughs> yeah. you went out to eat. And I think that that is the worry here. Um, in case you missed it, there was an allocation for... Um, to ensure competitive pricing, fair pricing, uh, that there is actually going to be an allocation to to try to make sure that people don't get out of hand in terms of these price increases. How much that helps um, remains to be seen. It's like Anon said earlier. We have Steve, who's back to say, um, th- yes, I think so. Those 300 ringgit cash handouts don't serve anything meaningful for the middle class individual. You spend it on a good meal and it's gone. Um Fair point, Steve, but actually I don't know that the cash handouts are meant to be necessarily for the quote-unquote middle class, however you might define it. Which goes back to the which goes back to the notion of 
who is meant to benefit most from yes. the budget. Um, yes. and, and that can be a tough pill to swallow, I think, because everyone is feeling the pinch. Let us know, um, are you satisfied with Budget 2024? You can call us, double seven double three two nine hundred. You can also send a voice note or WhatsApp, 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. We'll be back after the 7 o'clock news. Keep it here, BFM 89.9. Stay tuned to BFM's Budget 2024 special. Brought to you by Ma Singh. Bruce Freddie Morrissey. BFM 89.9. This BFM Budget 2024 special is brought to you by Ma Singh. It is 7.08 and you are listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sharmila. And we have been talking today about uh, Budget 2024, post-budget analysis specifically. And what we are looking at is, or, or rather was earlier, some of the main initiatives that have emerged from it. But now we, of course, also want to look at what it might mean from a policy level, from a political perspective. And uh, joining us to do that, we have our next guest. Keep those thoughts coming, though. Let us know, are you satisfied with the budget? Are you happy with it? That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Um, and now... Speaking with us, we have uh, Daniel Rahman, who is the Chief <laughs> Executive Officer of um, the Asian Strategy and Leadership Institute. Daniel, thanks for speaking with us today. Thanks for having me today. Uh, so firstly, many have called this a politically safe budget. Do you agree? Was it a cautious approach? Well, I don't necessarily think so. Um, instead, I would call it a very politically pragmatic budget because as we entered Budget 2024, um, we can see that the PM had to be aware of various competing interests that had to be balanced, right? So firstly, on one hand, he had to ensure the well-being of the rakyat um, were continued to be taken care of, especially in light of various global headwinds, um, inflation, um, the war, supply chain, and you know now the onset of what we see happening in the Middle East. Secondly, the need to grow businesses and GDP. So to still achieve growth targets of you know, growth fall between 4 to 5%, keeping in mind the cognizance of the fact that the World Bank had also revised our growth targets downwards. Um, and thirdly, um, that the nation's fiscal position has to be strengthened and the debt lowered because uh, our tech, uh, tax collection has generally been very low, but our debt is now at 1.5 uh, trillion ringgit uh, or in. So in this regard, what we can see is that the PM has taken a number of tough measures, um, the introduction or the follow-through of the implementation of the capital gains tax starting March of next year. I think some people were really expecting that to be postponed because with CGT being introduced, we all know that there are fears of capital flight. And you know most of the major investors in Malaysia are institutional investors. So if you ask me, I am a little bit concerned by the implementation of CGT. Um, the second one, of course, is the high value goods tax that was renamed from luxury tax, not entirely sure why. Um, then, of course, there's the uh, increase of the service tax to 8%, uh, which will definitely hit the pockets of the rakyat at all levels. And, you know, there's the increase in the sugar tax, which I think personally is a really good thing. Um, yeah, so so in that sense, I don't necessarily feel that it was a safe budget. Some tough moves were taken. Uh, let me add just a little bit more. We PM was very clear that existing subsidies were not uh, are not very sustainable. Um, in last year's budget or the recently retabled budget in February, it was targeted at about 64 billion in subsidies, but we are on track to hit 81 billion. 
Uh, so for next year, uh, the government has allocated 52 billion, which I believe is quite ambitious because that's you know 12 billion lower than what was declared, but in reality, that's 30 billion ringgit lower than what we are projected to achieve this year. So um, in, in announcing that, however, uh, of course, you know, the PM did talk about removal of subsidies or rationalization for eggs and chicken. So as they say, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Clearly, neither one is going to come in two weeks' time. Then we'll know what's going to happen. Um, and of course, the you know the, uh, the preface to this was the fact that petrol petrol prices in Malaysia is very low, or very very low compared to other countries in the world. But nothing was actually explained on uh, um, what's going to happen with the petrol and oil prices. That was actually sort of just glossed over. Okay. However, are there ways in which the PM could have been bolder? Um, were there other measures that you'd have liked to see? Yeah, um, I, I think what was missing, I'll just start with what was missing was clarity and detail on the mechanics, right? On how the targeted subsidies should be rolled out. Uh, in addition to that, um, it, there was a lot of emphasis of how this would have benefited the, the B20, so uh, sorry, the B40, so a lot of um, I would say conditioning or trying to appease to that particular group, but you also you would have also noticed from the language used that um, there was a little bit of uh, I wouldn't use I wouldn't go as far as saying demonization, but basically say how the T twenty were being uh, were, were unfairly benefiting from it and how the foreigners were also. So I didn't quite see the need to really go and and to kind of paint one group in a negative light to justify it for the other uh, for the other right. Um, and of course, I think um, there was a lot of missing points or a sidestep on how this would impact the M40 group. I think that's a question which a lot of us tend to ask. Now, in terms of it being bolder, short answer is yes. Uh, I think one of the big glaring points was the implementation or the reintroduction of the GST, which has been talked about for many, many years. Uh, whether or not it would have been called something else, like a value-added tax or something, you know, or something else, I think that was a, a missed opportunity, simply because even if it was announced this year, it could have been implemented maybe two years from now with the mechanisms being put in place, with the explanations being put in place. Um, because how I see it is if PM is raising the service tax by 2% to 8%, then you might as well have brought back a GST, right? We should have been broader, uh, more consumption-based, and in the long run, uh, would have been better for the country's uh, revenue position. So I think in that regard, um, it could have been a little bit bolder, perhaps even exploring things like uh, greater sin taxes. We didn't hear very much on alcohol and tobacco and something that we would like to call Pigovian uh, uh, taxes, which are taxes which would be implemented um, if negative externalities are generated. And this is especially relevant in the context of sanitary health, sustainability and climate change, right? So rather than just you know taxing on revenue or on income, you would tax if companies were to generate more pollution than was, you know, or, or more uh, negative pollutive output than, than not. Yeah. So I think, yeah, definitely. So a political question, is this, in your opinion, a stable government and does the budget reflect that? Well, considering, we, considering what Malaysia and Malaysians have experienced over the past few years um, in terms of political instability, I think this current government is stable. Um, just looking back at the state elections that have recently happened, uh, as well as the by-elections, the unity government has performed decently well and has de defended the incumbency seats. Um, the situation is, of course, very fluid. We see last week that the MP for Kuala Kangsa, um, Zulkar Iskandar Zulkarnain, has declared his support for the Prime Minister. Of course, it's laced with a little bit of politics around it. 
Um, of course, PM three days ago also extended the olive branch to the Islamist party pass uh, and given them the opportunity to join the, to join the unity government. So I think this projects some uh, quite a lot of confidence on the part of the current government that is. Um, I do foresee this, this government staying in place for at least the next couple of years. Um, now, whether the budget reflects that, I think the short answer is yes. But coming back to what we talked about it being a bit bolder, I think maybe some more politically risky moves could have been taken. Um, I like to call it short-term pain for long-term gain. gain. Uh, in that sense, it would be nice if there was a moratorium of sorts on politicking certain issues, especially with regards to taxes and subsidies. Uh, but by and large, um, I think the PM did what he could within the confines of, of the political situation. Actually, what are those confines? What political constraints were the PM working within? Mm. So what we can see now is that Malaysia is being quite split. Um, of course, the racial lines are very clear to be seen. Um, administratively, we see up north, um, the, 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 the northern states, right? Kedah, Kelantan, Terengganu, um, uh, Perlis. Uh, so the question is now in implementing well, a few levels, right? Firstly, in communicating the budget. Now, will the budget be communicated in a positive light, especially to people who are receiving it? And how will then this be translated? Uh, because um, obviously what the PM has announced has been good for the B20 group, uh, the B40 group. Now, the question is whether the political powers will be communicated is positively, number one. Number two is also then in terms of fair and effective implementation when the initiatives are uh, announced and introduced. So I think these were the political con uh, constraints that the Prime Minister said. Now, they're not, they're not like massive ones. Um, but we also then must be must, must keep in mind that the prime minister is also trying to shore up his uh, man of the people. Uh, he's a prime minister for all levels of society here. So in doing that, he has to ensure that there were not as many political bullets that could come his way. And you can see from some of these initiatives, uh, like I mentioned earlier, that this is how he's crafted the, the policies. We're speaking today with Daniel Rahman, who is the Chief Executive Officer of the Asian Strategy and Leadership Institute. Let us know, um, are you happy with Budget 2024? Are you satisfied? That number to call, double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp, 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. We will be right back with more from Daniel after this. Keep it here, BFM 89.9. Stay tuned to BFM's Budget 2024 special. Brought to you by Marsing. Bringing fresh meaning. BFM 89.9. This BFM Budget 2024 special is brought to you by Marsing. It is 7.20 and you're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sharmila. And we are talking today about Budget 2024, focusing now on the more policy and politically driven aspects of it. And speaking with us uh, is Daniel Rahman, Chief Executive Officer of the Asian Strategy and Leadership Institute. So, um, Daniel, what we were talking about earlier was um, perhaps some of the more politically um uh, the political aspects of it. But if we look at this through the framework of uh, the Madani economy, does Budget 2024 do a good job of furthering some of those stated goals? Let's start with the short-term measures of uh, accelerating the implementation of projects relating to schools and dilapidated clinics uh, and erad eradicating hardcore poverty this year. Right. Uh, thanks, Lynn. So I think the Madani framework, you know, theme, empowering people, building a better Malaysia together, I really like the fact that the Prime Minister um, is very focused on 
the, the, the basic issues, right? I remember when he had announced the, the instructions to clean up and, and to fix the toilets in schools, he had said that there's no point having big tall skyscrapers, you know, um, train lines, etc., if the most basic needs of our children are not taken care of. So in this regard, in the short term, um, 1.9 billion ringgit has been allocated for the improvement and maintenance of schools nationwide. Today, um, at the monthly meeting of civil servants, the Prime Minister had announced that about 8,354 schools, um, toilets will be fixed uh, and completed by this year. Um, in addition, we can also see that about 300 million has been um, allocated to repair 400 old clinics with wooden structures and old wiring nationwide. And for me, in the short term, this is good because the Madani framework has to start from bottoms up uh, as much as it top as it's top down, right? You know, lofty goals of global competitive nationhood uh, will not mean anything if the the basic stuff is not taken care of. Of course, Malaysia needs a maintenance culture. It's something that we are uh, not necessarily the best at, but it's definitely a, a good start. And I I can see the you could say the continuum of policy documents which have been uh, published uh, in line with the budget, so the budget doesn't run off on its own tangent. So I think that's actually really good, really important. And if we look at medium-term measures, um, some of them involve growing Malaysia's economy to become a global leader uh, or a regional leader at the very least. What do you make of how the budget uh, tackles that and what else would you like to see? Yeah. Um, So thanks, Shamil, for that question. So that one's a bit bit trickier because, you know, visions always, you know, it's unseen. Of course, it looks nice in paper and kind of just to, to, to run through a little bit of it is the Malaysian Madani economy has seven benchmarks. You're going to be one of the top 30 largest economies, top 12 global competitiveness, 20, top 25 human development, increase in labor share, you know, female participation in labor force, 60%, um, and, and, and so much more than, and so much more. So kind of like at that, that high level, um, the goals are there. I think what we see, um, is again, the consistency with the prime minister announced the, uh, that new industry master plan and that will require 95 billion ringgit across the next seven years in, to create 3.3 million jobs, right? Uh, budget 2024 has allocated 200 million next year uh, towards the achieve, achieving of that goal. So it shows that the Prime Minister has that in place. In addition, um, the Prime Minister also announced initiatives like the continued building of the Pengarang Integrated Petroleum Complex, um, the Korean high-tech industry park. So, you know, one in Johor, one further north, um, Halal industry, um, tax relief for EV charging, et cetera, et cetera. So in the medium term, you know, medium term, three to five, five to 10 years in that regard, uh, we can see that there's focus. Now, I think the, the, the bigger issue here that we need to talk about is the continuity and the sustainability, right? Touchwood, this government, like I would like to see, would stay on for the next number of years. Um, and therefore, this policy continuity is something that's very important to see these targets true. Uh, we have, you know, the, the whole Vision 2020 not fully realized shared prosperity vision, kind of not talked about anymore. It's a bit of a taboo topic. And now we've got Matani framework, you know, pardon me saying that. Uh, but those are realities of people on the ground, people in the policy who obviously they, they don't want to mince their words because we don't want it to be where anytime there are new changes, things change. You get what I mean, right? Um, so, so I'm saying it's great. Budget 2024 is very consistent with the policy documents, with the Madani economic framework, even with the 12th Malaysia plan midterm review. But we want to also continue to ensure that there's the implementation continuity to achieve. So I want to just 
ask maybe a contextual question because cost of living has been such a chief concern, but we've also seen previous budgets having very populist measures in place, lots of giveaways and, you know, handouts, uh, partly due to them being either election budgets or pandemic budgets or really some blend of the two. Um, what's your sense of how people are responding to budget 2024 with its comparative lack of, uh, for lack of a better word, goodies? <laughs> Yeah, um, so it's, it's very interesting. I think the whole idea of having goodies in the budget um, is, is, I don't know whether it's a very Malaysian thing. I was having a chat with one of the um, economists uh, from the EAC once upon a time, and they're saying how in Malaysia, we, you know, everybody sort of gathers around the television, puts on their finest Friday do, uh, expecting, you know, the PM to announce these goodies that they get. Kind of, it's almost, it almost sounds like goodies like there's a Halloween basket. And I suppose being October, it's, it's a rather funny coincidence. Um, but, I, I, I mean, the, the reaction on the ground, let's, let's, let's break it up in a couple of ways. I think there's mixed reactions from, um, from the B40 group. Obviously, they're quite happy. They can see the SDR, Sumbangatun, Rahma going up next year. Um, more distributions, more allocation. Uh, they will definitely be the best, the, the, the biggest beneficiaries of the targeted subsidies. Um, and the government has put in place various social protection schemes for them. And I think that's highly necessary because obviously you need to protect your most vulnerable um and, and and most disadvantaged within society the m40 group um my a lot of my friends are wondering what's really in it for them a lot of the incentives are sort of tax relief based and it's nice that there are tax reliefs um, for instance for uh, healthcare, for upskilling uh, for education but all of this is things which are happen post fact right it's, it's nothing like that comes right into the pocket straight away so it doesn't help with the disposable income aspect um now, in terms of the, 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 the social protection, I think that's good. But again, these are things which are not really apparent. Right? It's not like immediate cash in my pocket. Um, it's nice that you had the ISARAAN program. You've got the ISAYANG program. Uh, perhaps I actually need to get into it at some point. Um, but so I think in that sense, the, 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 the chat on the ground hasn't been, it hasn't been too loud. Like there has, I, I haven't come across like massive complaints. Uh, yet, and I say yet because it's only been three days, so I think there's a lot of people still digesting, still digesting it. Um, of course, as businesses are um, cautiously optimistic, um, many are excited by the fact that under the MTR uh, midterm review, the government has upped the uh, development expenditure, and 90 billion had been um, expected for that. And I think next year, that's the amount that's going to be spent. So. Uh, SMEs, people within the construction industries, within the services, are definitely going to expect the government to be more present uh, in the lives of the economy. Um, of course, while we while we don't talk about COVID as much, we are still very much talking about pre-COVID, post-COVID numbers, right? So I think looking at those different segments of society, um, yes, there's clearly a comparative lack of goodies, but um, I don't quite hear the murmurs very strong yet. Everyone's cautiously optimistic, so we really have to wait and see how that translates. We have just under a minute left with you. Uh, would you like to leave us uh, any final thoughts? Yeah. Um, you know, thanks. So, uh, you know, not too long ago, the World Bank talked about four or five things which Malaysia needs to do to achieve high income status. And I think this is where we are, right? So under the NIMP, under the Madani framework, we need to grow by 6%. But growth isn't just about putting money or development into the hard infrastructure into financing. Uh, we also need to boost competitiveness uh, and create jobs. Um, jobs has not been talked much about. I mean, every year there's usually this big number, 600,000, etc. I think this round, the Prime Minister did not really say that. that, that. Um, but sorry, that all aside, what I want to highlight is uh, promoting inclusion. 
Now let's talk about the values. Let's talk about the funds. I know PLKN has been announced, uh, Rakan Muda, there's now a 500 ringgit um, incentive or, or a payment for, for young people taking part in more uh, government approved, uh, we call it volunteer programs. And I think that's great. What I also like is the visa liberalization rules for, for talent. Those who complete their studies will have a chance now to work in Malaysia. Now, this is a huge incentive because anywhere in the world, international students are a huge export uh, and an industry in and of itself, not just for talent, but for the economy. And this uh, really gives Malaysia an, an edge when it comes to promoting uh, international education. So I think, you know, all this uh, put together, we, we are definitely very optimistic by what Budget 2024 builds upon. And um, I really hope to see uh, this come true uh, in, in, in uh, next year. Daniel, thank you so much for speaking with us. That was Daniel Rahman, Chief Executive Officer of the Asian Strategy and Leadership Institute, weighing in on Budget 2024. This is BFM 89.9. This BFM Budget 2024 special was brought to you by Marsing. Reinvent spaces, enhance life. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.